Hello and welcome to Breaking Social. I'm Alex. And I'm Joe. And we're the founders of award-winning marketing agency, Campfire. In our new podcast series, we sit down with a guest to unpick their business journey and find out their secrets to success in branding and marketing. This week, we're going to be speaking to Ben Liebus, the founder of Mob Kitchen. Ben set up the Mob Kitchen food page when he was a student and has grown it to almost 1 million followers. He has since monetized it through creating Mob cookbooks and working with some of the world's biggest food brands. Ben tells us about how he set up and grew Mob Kitchen, the big wins and losses he's faced whilst trying to grow the brand, and how he's using the platform to combat racism in the online food industry. Do you want to explain what Mob Kitchen is and why you started it? Absolutely. Uh, So Mob Kitchen is a food media platform creating um, recipe content, both photography, written and video content for a kind of a student and young professional audience uh, based in the UK at the moment. And I created it because when I was at university, I've always been an avid foodie. I grew up around food. My dad ran an Italian restaurant for 15 years. So I was very excited to get cooking in the kitchen for the first time. But when I moved in with my friends into our first home together, I saw that the ones that didn't have that foodie background weren't going to the websites that I was, you know, immediately drawn to, like BBC Good Food and your Jamie Oliver's. It felt that they didn't sort of feel that they had a space that was for them by people that they could relate with. Um, And as such, they weren't going online to find new recipe inspiration. And so the recipes that they were cooking were pretty bland, you know, pesto pasta out of a tin and baking sarnies five, six nights a week. And creating Mob Kitchen was really an answer to that, wanting to create a recipe platform that, you know, would kind of like serve that student young professional demographic. And where is this along the timeline? Because I know that Mob Kitchen has been going for quite a while and I think people will be familiar with sort of foodie brands on the social space. But what sort of time is are you starting Mob Kitchen and starting to come up with this idea? So I was at university 2012 to 2016. In 2013, 2013 was when I moved after Freshers was when we moved into our first house together. And I actually started writing a blog called Why Chef, which was... I was the kind of chef for Generation Y in a local university, um, you know, university magazine, digital magazine. And so I was writing those recipes. Then that kind of fell by the wayside a bit in my third year. And then in my fourth year, there was a big explosion in that overhead recipe video content as pioneered by BuzzFeed's channel Tasty. And then you saw the rise of Twisted and Tastemade. Um, And I... I was captivated by that video content and thought it was super engaging and literally waited around on my laptop like twice a day on Facebook to watch those videos. And I could also see that all of my peers were watching it as well. But I I felt underwhelmed by the fact that it all seemed to kind of revolve around food porn and it wasn't, uh, it didn't seem like I had the end in mind of actually wanting to encourage the viewer to go and cook the recipes, which I thought was like a big shame that the food content that the majority of my contemporaries and peers seem to be engaging with the most wasn't food content that they were ultimately going to end up kind of using um, that would, you know, enrich their lives in any way. It was just kind of this momentary thing that would get a comment and a tag and a like, but nothing more meaningful than that. So at the end of 2016, while I was writing my dissertation, you know, maybe largely uh, as a kind of a way of procrastinating um, from kind of getting to grips with the big essay, I just began to have this idea of wanting to combine these quick form recipe videos 
that I saw were doing so well with this idea of creating, you know, really engaging recipes for a younger audience that I was doing in my second year of university. And it was kind of marrying those two elements. And yeah, you know, got out of university, hired an amateur production company who were just three dudes that I was, you know, that were in my year at university. We filmed 20 recipes in my mum and dad's kitchen in the July after I graduated. I went away traveling with my best mate for two months, came back, finished the edits of the video and launched the platform in October 2016. So about four months after I graduated. And that's an interesting, that's a very good point around Tasty and Tastemade and uh, Twisted in that they were very much food porn, weren't they? I don't think I've ever, I may have made one of their recipes, but it definitely wasn't something that was function over form, like you're maybe suggesting Mob Kitchen was. Well, that's the thing. I mean, also, you know, not downplaying what they do. They serve a purpose as well. They make really great content. But I think the, yeah, I've never heard anyone say the phrase, I'm going to cook a twisted recipe for dinner or I'm going to cook a taste-made recipe for dinner. And seeing as these are like, you know, food media platforms that are garnering, you know, millions and millions and billions of views, um, that just seems like such a shame to me. And so, yeah, you know, it was really kind of large in response to that was the main reason why Mob, Mob was created. And from your perspective, so as, as you were starting on that journey, was there a significant point where you feel like this started to become more than just something you're doing in your spare time? To be honest, when I set it up, I very arrogantly uh, and very wrongly thought that the moment I launched these videos, I would go viral. Um, <laughs> so I, I was all in from the moment I launched it. I didn't get a job. I moved back. I've, you know, I'm incredibly lucky that I was able to do this, but I moved back home with mum and dad who supported me, you know, by just letting me live there and eat their food uh, for 10 months. But I was all in from the moment, from the moment I started. And, you know, I really believed that, you know, we launched it in October. I had enough content filmed to carry me through till Christmas. And I really believe that by Christmas, I would have tens of, if not hundreds of thousands of followers um, and that there would be a business model that would kind of come from that. And that didn't happen at all. Um, and I had to adapt and kind of change what the platform was about and the way that we were portraying it and all this kind of thing. We never had a big viral moment. I think that there were lots of little you know, definitely our first brand partnership, which came in February 2017 and was with Year Valley, two recipe videos for 500 quid, which was like the best moment ever when I got that email through. That was the first moment of like, okay, someone is willing to pay a bit of money for this, um, which from a business perspective was really big for us. And then there have just been other sort of little milestones along the way. Well, not little, but they, they're just, we've never had that kind of that sudden moment, which I think actually looking back on it, because we turned five about four days ago. Um, so I've, you know, been thinking back over the years and looking back on it, I think that that ultimately has been a really amazing thing for our brand, that we have this like long-term community that has grown with us and are really part of our brand, you know, not even just for months, but for years. You know, the viral moments are super exciting, but, you know, it's sort of terrifying the number of times you see like a viral page or a viral personality. You know, you sort of see it with like uh, Love Island, right? You know, they, they suddenly are like all anyone can talk about. And then like two years later, no one really knows, you know, what they're up to or that kind of thing. So long story short, there was never really kind of like one particular moment, just like lots of little bits along the way that were kind of just affirming enough to kind of keep the carrot dangling in front of me to keep on going. Right. And I was, I was going to ask as well, because I think we, we've spoken to quite a few business owners through this process of the podcast. And when a lot of business owners start, they do have this, you know, 
overwhelming belief that they're going to make it work and it is going to work. Um, and from our experience of, you know, growing large communities as well, uh, you know, separate to that, there are those moments where you go viral and you do expect quite a lot of things to happen off the back of that. And, you know, in our experience, we've had tens and in your case, hundreds of millions of views on a specific piece of content that we've made on a, on a community we were growing. And you do expect everything to come with that. And sometimes it doesn't. In that December that you were mentioning there where, you know, you had this idea that you're going to have tens, if not hundreds of thousands of followers in this community and, and a business model to support that. When that didn't maybe go exactly as you'd planned, what did that feel like? And what was it that kept you on that track to keep going? What was it that made you want to keep going at that stage? Yeah. Um, so we finished all the content by December uh, through creative differences. Me and the production team I was working with were no longer working with each other. So I was out of content. We got to December, we had 10,000 followers on Facebook, 4,000 followers on Instagram. So I mean, like, you know, at that point, kind of meaningless numbers from a business sense. We were talking with a company, a branding agency in London. I offered them 60% of the business to let me use their kitchen on a Saturday to film recipes in because also my mum and dad were like, you need to get to London and get a bloody job. <laughs> oh, wow. um, he turned it down. I got that news. I actually have some screenshots from my best mate when I was messaging him on Facebook. Um, I got that news late one evening, I think right at the start of January, like January the 4th. And I remember just getting a, a voicemail from his his colleague and I was in my car in the evening, broke down in tears. And my old one of my oldest school friends, a guy called Rupert, um, was a videographer. And I rang him and I basically said, I'd love it if you could come out to Oxford. And he had some camera kit. Um, and I'd love it if we could just like create one more batch of videos and just give this a final stab. And he came up and we made seven recipe videos in a slightly different format. And I kind of I went, I actually went up to Birmingham and um met with a uh, kind of a final cut editing coach who like taught me some kind of more final cut editing tricks. And with that new content and the the, the updated edits, the content started performing a little better. And I don't really know what it was. I mean, that was kind of affirming and like made me sort of think like, you know, I'm going to carry, there were, you know, again, just these little moments that were kind of like, you know, little positive things that were enough to just keep me going. But I really just really believed in the idea. And I like the, also the user feedback that we were getting or user feedback, the viewer feedback that we were getting was so good. You know, it, it was like, the mobs were like taking photographs of their dishes in their kitchen and sending it through. And it was like real. So they were like, cooking it deep. from like the get go. Like they were already invested. They were, they audience. were doing it from the get go. And it, you know, it started right. as like my mates and my friends of friends and like I had this really amazing kind of community effect actually of people were just really rallying. Cause I put myself out there hard on the line and said like, I've been doing this for six months, please help me. And I really had this force of people rallying around me, like cooking the dishes and uploading it and, tagging their mates and it just felt like with all that energy I was like this is must mean something you know even if it's not earning right now this this must mean something and I've I just wanted to keep on listening to that and doing just throwing everything that I could at it um and and yeah that's what I did even in like those really desperate moments at the beginning I was just like I just I want to carry on pushing for this that's brilliant and from those stages, I think specifically that like moment of time that you're talking about there where, you know, things maybe didn't go exactly as planned and you stayed at it and you started to get these like small, almost like pointers that you are heading in the right direction. This is go this is something that 
you know, should work, providing that you continue at it. Is there anything from those days that is you would consider some of the biggest lessons you've taken or anything significant that you took from that period that you still use now or sticks with you now? I guess just like dogged perseverance uh, for your singular aim and goal. And I guess just like once you are, I guess like you also probably, you know, I know other people say, like, you know, you also need to like know when it isn't the right idea and when like maybe you do need to step back. But I mean, at least in my experience of it, I feel like the most important thing you need to do is like find your idea, become like resolutely certain that it is like 100% the right thing and then just throw everything that you have at it. And that was my, I don't think it was through any talent or culinary flair or anything really. I think it was literally just like dogged, hardcore perseverance like through anything through like months of no one I think like the hardest thing about start at least I remember the hardest thing for me about starting a business and the thing I've seen such a stark contrast in now mob is bigger is when you start something like just no one gives a shit no one no one you're just flinging so much of yourself out there and no one cares people don't reply to emails like People are just not interested because they just think my life was great before you started your thing. I don't care about it. It's not like I don't need it. And you literally have to like force your way into people's lives and make them realize that they need it. And I found that really difficult at the beginning. And it's and like I kind of, you know, subsequently now mob is bigger. Sometimes I do look back slightly negatively on the people, although maybe it's ridiculous. I, you know, the people who like, didn't reply along the way and then suddenly you're bigger and like they're all chummy and you know that kind of thing um so yeah i mean i dogged perseverance basically through those first months where you feel like no one cares i think like that's for me that was like the big kind of like test um and i think yeah my one attribute i think that allowed me to pull through just going from the early days and the sort of spark that started mob kitchen through to now you're growing a little bit or you've got this content and now you've got to decide where you're going to put it and you've got people like Bon Appetit for example who are posting on YouTube and Tasty on Facebook how did you come to the decision to from the from what we've seen in our research um, not posting too much on YouTube and focusing more on platforms like Instagram and TikTok no strategic decision there other than the fact that I was crap at YouTube and didn't understand the platform Um, I I've always like wanted to do my own thing. I've always wanted to feel, I've always, I always, if I wasn't doing something literally from the age of like 16, not that I really did anything between the age of 16 and 26, that was in any way meaningful, but I always felt like really unproductive and lazy. So I would always, I always loved having like a project at my secondary school. I like got really into this idea of like doing you know, those um, when you go to an airport and you can like buy a ticket that will allow you to maybe win like a Bugatti or something. Like I had this idea of doing that in like little malls around the UK, but like for smaller ticket items and like looked really seriously into that. And another idea where we'd like sell advertising on water bottles and taxis. Um, and whenever I would come up with those ideas, like there was always like a ton of like messaging people on Facebook and all my friends and telling them about the idea and getting them to fill out little surveys. And like, I've always like loved that so much. And uh, for me, Facebook was a really natural platform to look kind of launch on because it was, it was all around. It was also the platform that all of us were on, you know, I'm 29 now. So 
when I was launching Mob, it was like everyone was, all of my mates were on Facebook, not Instagram yet. And so it was the platform where I was able to like share content with friends, speak to friends, share stuff on my platform and get people to see it as quickly as possible. So that was really the kind of motivation behind it. I felt very comfortable using the platform like you know it's like kind of second nature just through being a user on the platform and so kind of launching mob on it seemed like the natural first step and i'm not really a big youtube content consumer so i didn't really understand how to do it on that platform as well instagram was still relatively in its infancy compared to how it is today tiktok wasn't live yet so facebook was the kind of the first step basically the first natural natural place to go and then it migrated through to instagram i think the other thing is that our kind of slightly more slightly less personal content sat very well on facebook i don't know how well it would have sat on youtube which i think is feels much more kind of personality driven and definitely at the start of mob much more i had no desire at all to have my face in any way connected with it and i you know my dream was basically just to create like a tasty but like with affordable recipes so no human presence or anything and then that that kind of evolved in 2017 after we had that difficult christmas where i had to just get way more hands-on and way more involved and kind of you know started bringing people along with that journey and that that observation of personal content more personal content maybe not working on facebook versus instagram kind of brings us nicely on to the next question which was now that you've migrated from platform to platform do you notice any key differences in the audiences and the way that they respond to content on those different platforms yeah i think the um i think instagram's very like tag your friends and that's kind of like where we see the majority of like engagement on instagram the comments are primarily people tagging their mates and saying let's cook this for dinner um on platforms like tiktok and on uh we have actually quite a big subreddit and i I actually love reddit as our community our mob subreddit is kind of our social media that i am on the most it's much more a conversation amongst the users about the actual content and less of tagging friends um so and i think actually on youtube it's probably more similar to the tiktok reddit thing than it is to the instagram thing and then instagram and facebook are similar so I think they're more like social platforms about connecting with your friends as opposed to uh, users connecting with the pieces of content and not their friends or the people necessarily producing the content. You know, like on TikTok, most of the content you see, I guess, is for like by creators that you've never seen before. And so you're really just engaging with that one piece of content that you're seeing in front of you. So I would say that's a difference. I find that, yeah, there's probably like a deeper level of engagement on the actual piece of content on TikTok reddit and youtube as there is on facebook and instagram and for you and your brand is there a preferred level of interaction or do you feel that they all have like serve different purposes or um yeah just positive um (laughs) and um yeah no i think um i like it when people engage with recipes that's why i really like reddit because it's like a real conversation around the actual content and it's like um i love seeing people engage with it that deeply so yeah i mean like you know from from like a business perspective, it's much more informative and useful seeing like that deeper level of engagement with the actual piece of content and not just someone tagging a friend. I had a follow-up question to that on the topic of growth. Obviously, outside of the organic growth that you'll see on Instagram and TikTok that you'll get from your audience members just sharing content between them and etc., what 
kinds of growth strategies do you have in place on the platforms at the moment? Is there anything that you're actively doing? We don't spend much on paid support for our own platform and our own growth, actually. It's mainly, um, to be honest, actually, the main way that we've the main method that we've used to grow our socials other than just kind of like hoping that a video does well and achieving organic growth there has been uh, giveaways, which have actually been huge for us, um, for our audience growth. And I stumbled across it about three years ago. We got sent this hamper of um, products from, you know, the olive oil company, Filippo Berrio. And I didn't, we, we already had tons of stuff in the studios and I didn't really want it clustering up everything. So I kind of just uploaded an image of it on fate on Instagram and said, tag a mate and follow mob for a chance to win all this stuff. And it got like, I put my phone in my pocket. I pulled it out like a second, you know, a minute later and it had like 700 comments, which for us, like at that point was like massive, um, you know, with every, the highest photo or video we'd ever done getting like, you know, 120 comments and you know, its entire lifetime or whatever. So I saw there that like that was something that the mob would probably want to engage in. And so we started ramping it up, ramping it up and then finding like strategic partners who we thought would have a really big audience that would be relevant for mob within their own organic reach and finding a great prize with them and running a giveaway with them. So, and then actually Firstly, doing a social giveaway with them was really big. And then the next big level up was kind of realizing that then utilizing their email database and having a click-through link in their email database, directing them through to the giveaway posts on their page where they have to enter. And one of the entry conditions is tagging mob. That was, that's been massive for us. And we've seen like big 20, 30, 40, even 60K follower bumps in like a day or two um, off the back of some of the more successful ones of those, you know, with partners like Wagamama, Pizza Express, Pret, um, one of Grace Beverly's fitness things, uh, Shreddy. We did gave away like a home gym with them. And they had this big email database. We've got 70,000 followers in two days. The challenge off the back of those is with such a big follower bump, you need to just really make sure that you're putting out some like great engaging content right after because otherwise you've got this bunch of followers and if they don't engage with a few of the posts, they sort of just become like ghost followers in a way. So that was a bit of a learning for us because we've done a couple of them and then, you know, we might have had some slightly more dodgy content coming out straight after and we see like a real drop in engagement and then we kind of have to work to build that back up again so so that was a that was a big learning but the no it's um definitely the giveaways has been really good for us with like kind of yeah really strategically chosen partners and do you think just on the topic of giveaways because i know that it is it can be something that a lot of brands will consider to be a, a growth hack because it is something that is very effective to bring in followers because it's a transaction where someone can actually get something out of uh, or at least get the chance to get something out of following an account. Because your community is so important to you, do you think there's, are you quite specific about the things that you give away to make sure that you're drawing in the right kinds of people to your account? Sure, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I rather arrogantly think like we make affordable, accessible recipe content that I feel like that just has such a broad audience and a broad reach. Um, so I think that we, I feel like personally from our platform side, we can be a bit looser about who we partner with. Anyone who has got a young student professional, young professional audience, I think is relevant for us, whether they're cinemas, travel companies, student discount companies, 
banks, food brands, any of them, they'll have an audience. And if they're a young student, you know, young professional audience, the chances are maybe 75% of them will engage with affordable, accessible recipe content. Um, I think where you've got to be more wary of it is where, and, you know, on the flip side, some of the partners that we've worked with, you know, let's say it's a, a Tupperware company, and they know that if we give away like a big stack of Tupperware on Mob, it's probably not going to like get that much excitement. Although it probably will get like a follow through of some like quite core new audience people that are really actually engaged with the product. They might say, okay, well, let's whack in like a three grand ASOS voucher. And then suddenly they're getting a ton of followers that are only following them because of like an ASOS voucher and it's a Tupperware company. And with those kinds of things, I definitely think you've got to be way more careful. But I think because our content is quite broad in terms of who we're speaking to, I think that we can afford to be a bit looser with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are other, cons- you know, making sure that their UK-based audience is important. You know, we've got such like UK-centric content that getting a massive audience from Hungary or like France isn't really like of interest right now. Um, so there are definitely considerations, yeah, from anyone. Yeah, I think you just got to make sure that the people that you're working with have a really relevant demographic that you genuinely think would be super engaged with your content. One of the other things that I wanted to know, obviously we've talked quite a bit in this episode so far about um, why you started your early journey, some of the things that you learned there. Being at the stage you are now, what are in your mind some of the longer term goals that you want to achieve with Mob Kitchen, or like what is, what yeah, what are the things that you're, you're trying to achieve with Mob Kitchen? Um, so, I think like the, the the main aim is to become the leading food media platform for the youth in the UK, and then maybe further afield, uh, whether that's like firstly in Australia or the US or Germany. Um, there are you know a couple of you know other kind of geographical locations where I feel like Mob could have a really big impact if we they, we set up like a kind of a Mob specific to that location. That's that's the aim, and then all the stuff that comes with that. You know, YouTube, podcasts, long form content, products that we sell, ecom through the through the platforms that you know will hopefully kind of enrich the mobs' lives through creating products that they will use and find really useful. Like I don't know, we're looking into kind of like lunch or bento boxes at the moment as a potential product, um, as it seems like there's just this crazy rise in the number of people doing meal prepping and uh, lunch boxes and that kind of thing, and experiential events you know looking actually talking about a mob festival at the moment um you know and like a kind of a younger version of jamie's big festival or maybe a slightly more music centric taste of london type thing and yeah i guess like all the various offshoots that could come from that kind of seeing it as you know i guess like to compare it to another brand i see what i want mob to be is kind of like the i don't know like the vice but for food that kind of that kind of thing or the Bon Appetit of the UK without the racism. Um, and, <laughs> we'll actually um, come on to that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I guess, yeah, that's where I, that's where I want to position the mob brand. But we, you know, as I, as I was saying earlier, I coming out with new business ideas is really like what gets me going. I like, I love it and I, I live and breathe for it. Um, and I, so we've now got, you know, a handful of other ventures that we're looking at. We've got this talent agency called Juiced, which is kind of under the umbrella, but it's its own brand where we're representing talent. And I, I'm really excited about that. We've actually built a social media for recipes app uh, called Peckish, um, which is again, a totally different brand. Mob owns a stake in it. 
um, but that would be a new business. So yeah, then kind of, I guess, utilizing Mob and the platform that we've built to kind of start looking at other ventures um, and, you know, and also like working with our talent on products. I'm, I'm actually, de- I've developed a hundred quid, ultimate hundred quid chef's knife with our one of our chefs that we represent called Thomas Straker. We've been building it for the last six months and it's like a work of art, I think. And working with, you know, all the amazing people that we kind of meet along the way to kind of create new businesses and um, and yeah. Being a social first and, and community first uh, business, how much do you allow the community and what they're saying and what they're commenting uh, on Mob Kitchen's posts, how much do you allow them to guide your new ventures or the products that you're releasing and selling? Quite a lot. Someone told me right at the beginning of Mob, uh, I, I feel it's, it's such a neat phrase, um, but it's always ask people for advice, but always feel free to turn it down or something like that. Um, and it's like this idea, this is, and I think that's something that I really like, you know, try and bring to to mob. I think sometimes when you're running a business, you need to just like make decisions that you know are right and seeking too much advice or too much feedback can actually be detrimental. I think nine people out of 10 told me that mob was a horrible name and just reminded them of some like describing of the storming of the Bastille in 1789 and the French Revolution or um, something like that. And I, I just really believed in the name and wanted to go with it. And I now feel like the, you know, mob as a name is actually one of the strongest kind of assets of our brand today. So I think that you need to kind of have your own kind of ideas and sometimes like commit to those. But I also think, yeah, definitely opening up to the mob, being really open and transparent and getting their their feedback and their views on things is really important and and actually just incredibly useful and guiding. Um, and so, no, we do. We, we frequently speak to the mob. We've got kind of... Um, polling groups and discussion groups on Facebook where we talk about new ideas and new partnerships with prospective clients and run them by our users first and see how they would take them. And, um, you know, a couple of quite big spending clients who've, you know, we've, they've kind of brought a big campaign to us and we've turned them down based on the feedback that we've got in those groups. So I think you should definitely always be listening to those conversations and engaging with them. But sometimes as a business owner, you need to just have an idea and sometimes just go for what you know is going to be right in the long run. One of the other things that we want to talk about, and you mentioned it just there, is um, just because we've actually recently seen it start to get talked about quite a bit, is um, the Peckish app and exactly what it is. And if you can talk about it at all, it'd be good to hear more about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we've seen a couple of competitors crop up over the last couple of weeks. So there've been a, there's been a bit of a surge to really get pushing with it. Basically, about two and a half years ago, I was sitting with my business partner, a guy called Joe Glick, who owns 10% of Mob. He gave me 20 grand. We met in a pub, friend of a friend. I needed some uh, money for some equipment and he put 20 grand in, um, gave him 10% of the business. It's the only money we've ever taken on, uh, but he's become like a sort of a friend and a mentor. Um, and we were talking about a mob app and what that would look like. And we started kind of wireframing it on PowerPoint um, and just spitballing ideas. And we ended up creating this app that was like way more UGC based than just mobs. So like all about users uploading their own recipe content and there being a community around that, kind of like a Reddit, but just for foods. And then I don't know if you know, remember an app... um, from back in the day called Yik Yak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, you know, anyone could upload a comment and then you'd see all the comments that were uploaded in like a geographical, like two kilometer radius around you. 
And at uni, it was really fun because like we'd all sit down and upload comments and we, we knew who had uploaded them because we'd write like kind of nicknames above them. And there was kind of, you didn't win anything, but like when you saw that you were the top comment in Edinburgh and you knew that all of your mates were seeing that, there was like this kind of kudos attached to it. And it was like this fun kind of gamified thing, uh, you know, and we brought that idea into this app package, which we've, which we've built now, I spent two years building it. And it's basically, we describe it as the foodies food app. Anyone can create a profile and upload a recipe. We say that it's kind of democratizing food fame. The idea is that anyone across the UK at any time can upload a recipe and it will, we've set an algorithm that means that like it's weighted towards new dishes that are uploaded. Anyone can upvote or downvote the dishes and there's a kind of a trending tab. The most trending dishes and the most upvoted dishes um, of the day are trending um, and you, you win this little kind of flame emoji if you get to the top dish. It's kind of like gamifying recipe content and uploading recipes and it's, I feel really excited about it because I was really frustrated at the beginning of Mob at how how hard it was to kind of break onto the scene and get people to really notice you. And I just feel like there's, it's, it's quite a closed community on Instagram and Facebook. TikTok's a bit more democratic, but the, but yeah, I just wanted to create an app where just anyone could kind of go viral based on the merit of like their dish at that given point in time. And it didn't have anything to do with who you were or how many followers you have or the way you look. It's just all about the dish. It's all in the dish. Um, and so, yeah, we've built this social media platform. It's taken us two years to build. It's going to be ready in about two weeks. And I'm really excited about it. That is such an interesting point and such an, a positive vision for the package shop because, like you say, the food industry at the moment, especially in media or specifically when they're controlled by larger corporations, is that it is difficult to get onto the food scene. It is something that has been seen from Bon Appetit specifically. So for anyone that actually doesn't know about Bon Appetit, do you, would you be able, you might be able to give a better summary than, than I can uh, about what's going on over there, but. Sure. So Bon Appetit are a platform, uh, a recipe, US-based recipe platform owned by Condé Nast. Um, and they uh, have their headquarters in New York. They're like a collective of chefs, recipe writers. Um, and for years, they have this beautiful website and they have this amazing YouTube channel where it's kind of their, the Bon Appetit test kitchen. And in each episode that was uploaded to YouTube and still now, uh, you see the kind of the Bon Appetit food team and all these different personalities who their audience have really kind of grown to build these amazing relationships with. Every day you see them, up, you know, in a new episode, you know, and one of them is cooking there are, you know, 12 of them that, you know, all of the audience had their own kind of relationships with. And I actually watched a really fascinating YouTube video about the rise and fall of Bon Appetit and just how the content creators behind it had latched onto this thing. It was so much deeper than food. It was like this, they were building on these connections that people had with the chefs. And it kind of almost felt a bit like Friends, the sitcom, that it was like a, people just had these real relationships with the, with the creators. Um and anyway, it all came undone with this, you know, horrible mess. It turned out that it was this, you know, really dodgy racist workplace where they were paying their white workers more than their black workers. They were their, their chefs. They weren't giving the black chefs the opportunities that the white chefs were being given. Their main guy called Adam Rappaport was a total wrong one. And, you know, there were kind of videos surfacing of him being misogynistic and racist and all this kind of thing. And so... They got 
he got cancelled big time uh, during the Black Lives Matter protests of last year. And then there was there then was this massive kind of internal restructuring at Bon Appetit, which I I was never really a follower of Bon Appetit from what I've sort of seen from their engagement on their YouTube videos and their Instagram content. It definitely seems that they've kind of, to an extent, come through at least the kind of like public uh, criticism that they were getting. I don't know... Obviously, it will have like very long lasting ramifications on the way people view the brand. But what they were doing purely like from a sense of the recipe content they were providing people was really amazing. But it was just, you know, they just had this racist, awful culture and it needed to change. Um, So so that, you know, that's the kind of that's the BA story. And I yeah, I mean, I guess like how it pertains to this, I think the, and to Peckish, I think the, I think just the exciting thing about Peckish is that it really puts the power to like propel yourself in your own platform, in your own brand, in your own hands. You don't need a big platform or a big backer behind you. Just through the merit of your own cooking, you can, you can go viral and you can become a food star and you can gain a big following. And and we get this asked this question a lot. So I'll just quickly reference it here. You have a, there's a new tab, a hot tab and a following tab and the upvotes in the new tab completely outweigh the upvotes in the following tab. So even if you've got a big following on Peckish, it's kind of like TikTok. You still need to upload really amazing, fresh content for it to go viral. You're not just going to go viral because you have a big following. And that's something that I'm really excited about. And actually, I almost feel like I'm on the wrong side of this conversation because I'm not a big culinary talent. I think I just knew how to hack Instagram and work social media. But I see these incredible chefs on Instagram. This one guy, Ben Lippett, who's like my kind of, he's like my go-to example. He's like the reason I created Peckish. He's unbelievably talented. His content is stunning. His recipes are stunning, but he just isn't catching a break on the existing social media platforms, Um, you know, because he doesn't know as well how to kind of hack them and grow his profile. And so the the fact that Peckish is going to be able to give a platform to real raw and pure culinary talent is something that I'm, yeah, super excited by. So with everything that we know uh, and have discussed around uh, Bon Appetit, was by any chance Juice World your sort of response to that to ensure fair representation at, at, at Mob? Or? Yeah, uh, fair representation at Mob is a uh, key priority for us. I am a uh, privately educated, privately school educated white English man. And I am, you know, aware of my unbelievably uh, lucky road in life up to this point and I'm, you know, incredibly grateful for it, but also want to do everything in my power to make sure that we are creating opportunities um, for people that, uh, I don't know, yeah, are from different backgrounds and different cultures and uh, also haven't had the, you know, the fortunes that I had growing up. And that feeds into lots of different things that we do at Mob. Um, and Juice, our talent agency, is one big part of that. So we set up this talent agency about five months ago. We have this brilliant head of talent called Will McSweeney, who we hired. Um, and basically, the kind of the purpose of it is to find like the freshest up and coming food talent and use the mob platforms kind of really propel their profiles and help bring them, you know, commercial deals and opportunities and work with them to kind of help build, uh, build their brands. And we have a 
really keen focus on making sure that you know we have a very diverse talent roster um and that you know they represent people from all walks of life and all cultures and cuisines and it's a feel really kind of like incredibly lucky to be able to be in that position to be able to offer that platform and that opportunity and it's a it's a privilege that we don't take lightly and we're super excited about this part of the business from the kind of the opportunity of being able to be really diverse in that respect and also also for a business opportunity as well you know there isn't a food talent agency exclusively that exists and there is all this amazing food talent that we feel like we can really propel through mob and uh and it's an yeah and it's it's an exciting thing for us so we already have seven different talent signed to the agency we have a full-time team in-house of three people working on it two talent managers and a uh and a head of sales and we've got really big plans for it so yeah that was definitely one big part of our strategy of wanting to make sure that we have a you know a much more kind of like diverse face to the overall mob brands brilliant thanks so much ben pleasure thank you for having me on that was ben of the mob kitchen thank you so much for joining us on this episode ben and the best of luck with the launch of peckish Thank you so much to everyone for listening to this episode of Breaking Social. We'll be back next week. Make sure you subscribe to us so you're notified when an episode drops. And if you want to keep up with what we're doing at Campfire, make sure to follow us on the socials in the show notes.